0: Thanks for being here again. Welcome. Uh, Wednesdays at Arcadia. This has been the Kingdom's Companion Study. Um, we've gone through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings. Tonight is First Chronicles, and next week is Second Chronicles. And my name is Tyler Thompson. So glad to be able to be with you tonight. Um, I'm hoping that one day, 300 years from now or so, somebody rewrites the story of my life. And takes out all the bad stuff and just talks about the good stuff. Similar to what the author of Chronicles did for David. And so if one of you could do that for me, that would be awesome. Um, I've been uh, in Denver the last couple weeks. I got back and led worship on Sunday. And really enjoyed that. Uh, But I was in Denver working on my Doctor of Ministry degree with an emphasis in leadership. I was talking with some folks earlier about... Uh, how my, my large paper, my 175-page paper, will be uh, basically about Redemption Church. It's, it's uh, on pastoral unity in a multi-site, cross-contextual church, and I'm really enjoying working on that. have got some great connections with professors and students uh, this last couple of weeks, and so fired up and ready to, to, to be back in action here at Redemption Arcadia. Uh, so excited to be with you tonight on first chronicles um there's a men's lunch tomorrow for anybody that's available it's 11:30 30 a.m it goes until uh, just before one o'clock and so excited to have dr brian arnold uh, coming to speak with us uh, steve wheeler and i will be hosting that and so if you have time to come uh, ladies are invited as well uh, it is a men's lunch but ladies are invited because we like as many people as possible to hear Dr. Arnold and uh, the conversation that we have tomorrow, Uh, and then I also I get to preach this Sunday. Excited about that on uh, First Samuel 15, and that uh, just a little teaser about what's going on in that passage. uh, The passage ends with Samuel hacking Agag to pieces before the Lord, and so what do you do with that? Like what do you? I've I've been like really wrestling with that for the last week trying to figure out I don't know how I I feel about that I I mean I know I don't feel good (laughs) um but the passage is incredible and so I'm excited that I'll get to to share about that on Sunday as well so we are in Chronicles um I by the way if you if you're unaware of the Bible project videos those are excellent uh, summaries of the books of the Bible and other subjects. They not, not only do uh, summaries of the books, but they'll oftentimes take a theme and they'll, they'll trace it throughout the scripture, so they do a more systematic approach to theology as well. Excellent videos, I think, on understanding and reading scripture more, more deeply and more fully with what is going on. A couple of uh, challenges that I have for this evening and for us, uh, we were talking about this in our, in our small group uh, recently that 1st Chronicles and 2nd Chronicles is oftentimes listed as people's least favorite book in the Bible. And part of that is because of all of the names, all of the genealogy of, of, of the, the history that you, that you see here. Um, my hope is that we can actually see those in a little bit of a new light tonight as we talk about 1st Chronicles. Um, but I actually really like genealogies. And um, every time that I get an opportunity to preach on a genealogy, I get really excited about it because I think that they're fascinating. And I actually think they—they they, if, if we can get past just the difficulty that we have reading their names and recognize that these are real people, that readers who were familiar with the history would have associated particular stories and events and timelines and situations with it would feel a lot more alive to us than if we just sort of see them as syllable syllabic noises and so if you if you think of a story and we think to ourselves uh, we're telling a story and uh, we and Brian is there and Christina is there and Tim is there and Brad is there and Kathy is there and we we feel like we have a, uh, a, a history with people in the room, at the table, it actually allows for us to see more deeply what is being said. And Parrot, and Parrot is there. Jeff Parrot, Jeff Parrot that's right. I, uh, for some reason Parrot stood out to me. Do you get called Parrot ever? ever? Uh, sure. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Do you remember the scene in uh, the movie uh, Bambi and there was Flower. You can call me Flower if you want to. I always told people they could call me Flower if they wanted to growing up. <laughs> Jeff, thank you for letting us call you Parrot. Um, if, we have, if we have stories and events to go with the names, and we can say with Jeff Parrot that we understand what the history is, what the scenario is, what kind of relationship we've had, uh, remember that one time when God came through in the midst of that difficult season we were facing, then it means a whole lot more to us. And these genealogies are filled with those kinds of stories. And so when you look at First Chronicles, and, and as was mentioned, Adam is the 1st the first word in the book. We're tracing back the story not only of humanity, but of God's faithfulness in the midst of Of our story, and the people that would read uh, Chronicles would have seen the names that way, and so I get fired up for that reason alone. Second, if you recall, uh, the whole narrative of the Gospel of Jesus, what we're looking at as early as Genesis three fifteen with the Proto Evangelion, what we're looking at there is that that first gospel mentioned that certainly. The snake would bruise the heel, but that he would crush the head of the serpent. And what is being said in that is that from the seed of Eve would come one who would save the world. And these these uh, genealogies are tracing that lineage. They're tracing the story from Adam to Jesus in a way that helps us to understand that God is working out his purposes across time and across generations in a way that is really uh, meaningful so I hope that we can see genealogies beyond just uh, just the uh, the names there's excellent genealogies in the beginning of uh, the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke and what these what these genealogies will do is that they will tell the coming of the Savior and I absolutely love those genealogies as well so there's my there's my pitch on genealogies I hope you don't hate them anymore um, and my hope is that you will see them in a, in a, in a fresh light uh, a second thing about Chronicles that I'm that I'm really into is that it gives you a, a second perspective of what happened during the reign of David. Uh, so we get the, the picture that we've seen in First and Second Samuel, 1 and Second Kings of the David and the following kings. First and Second Chronicles is like getting another snapshot. i mentioned this before with the with the Gospel accounts that Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are giving us four snapshots of the same person of jesus i love that we get that also in first and second chronicles that we get another vantage point another snapshot of what we've already seen and it's sort of like those awesome movies that you watch where uh, uh, you get the story told by one character and then in comes the second character and you realize oh we're watching the same story from that person's point of view that's part of what's happening in chronicles as well and i actually really appreciate what chronicles adds so as the, as the video mentioned, there are certain things that Chronicles adds, not only taking away the downside of David. Think about that for a moment, if you will. Just the fact that they took away all of the negative things about David that we, that we oftentimes associate with David. When you think of David, yes, you think of David and Goliath. Yes, you think about a man after God's own heart. But you cannot think of David without talking about Bathsheba, Uriah, without talking about the fact that he, his heart, though it was a man after the heart of God, a, a man who had a heart after God, his heart was tempted to stray away from God. So think about a book that you know everything about the character, but leaves out these dark details, and you have to know that there is some purpose behind that. The video mentioned. That the purpose there is we're presenting an idyllic version of David. Because we can see that David fell short of the glory of the perfect king that would come. And so I love this presentation of David as well. And we're going to look specifically in a minute at 1 Chronicles 16. Uh, that, talks about, that gives one of the, the songs that David sang as a prayer of thanks. Um, a second thing, those two columns that trace the story in Chronicles. One is of the kingdom, the king lineage, and one is of the priestly lineage. One fun fact about this is that throughout the Old Testament there was the king and the priest, and these two offices were joined in the one person of Christ. And so when we get to Christ, we have Christ described as our king, and we also have Christ described as our high priest. And so when we get into first Peter and and the book of Hebrews, there's a ton of talk about how Christ has become our high priest as well as our king. And so I love that these two categories are joined in the person of Christ as well. Uh, Turn it for a moment, if you would, uh, to 1 Chronicles 16. This is after, this is after you've had the genealogies from Adam to David. So that goes that goes uh, for the first uh, five, four chapters, or uh, eight chapters, I'm sorry. And, uh, and then you also have, excuse me, four chapters. Then you have the genealogies of the 12 tribes. That's fascinating as well. And so Judah, uh, Simeon, Rebbe, Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, Levi, Issachar, Benjamin, Naphtali, Manasseh, and Ephraim, Asher, Benjamin... You get, you get a story of the genealogies of those four, 12 tribes as well. And then in uh, chapter 9, we get the Jerusalem's inhabitants and, and the family of Saul. Finally, in chapter 10, you get David's anointing, and we start to have a little bit more of the narrative that's coming in. Now, the passage we have in church this Sunday is just before the anointing of David. So 1 Samuel 15 it's the end of Saul's uh, Saul's anointing. It's the end of Saul's favor with God. And the end of Saul's favor with Samuel. And the very next chapter, you get the anointing of David. So that is in 1 Samuel 16, which Trey will preach on next week. Uh, but this particular uh, section of scripture where David's reign begins is in 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 13. And that traces through 29. But in 16... There's a fascinating prayer that David gives once the ark has been celebrated in the temple. And so uh, when the ark will be celebrated in the temple, it's looking forward to this celebration. And so in 1 Chronicles 16, let's look at verse 7. So the ark has been brought to Jerusalem. And as we saw in the video as well, David has started to prepare for the temple, although that temple won't be constructed by David. That, that, can, that temple will be constructed by Solomon. In 1 Chronicles 16, verse 7, it says this, That day David first committed to Asaph and his associates this psalm of thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac, he confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation. From one kingdom to another he allowed no man to oppress them, for their sake he rebuked kings. Touch my anointed ones, do my, do my prophets no harm. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, The Lord reigns. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then the trees of the forest will sing. They will sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Cry out, save us, O God, our Savior. Gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name, that we may glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. This is a beautiful poem that is sung that's right here smack in the middle of 1 Chronicles. And so you have all the lineage and all the names. And, you, and by this point, some, some of us, our eyes have started to glaze over and we're a little bit tired of what we're reading. And yet, right here is this beautiful song of praise from David that we don't get in the, in the First and Second Samuel account. Uh, interestingly enough, this does get, some of this does get repeated in, a, in Psalm 29. And so if you're familiar with the Psalms, this, this, some of this, uh, this ascribe to the Lord, the, the glory to his name, gets repeated in Psalm 29. One of the things I love about this is that in the middle of sort of what we can see as the mundane, everyday, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot existence of life, there are these cracks in the canopy, some, um, some commentators have, have, de- have described it as. Where we see just sort of uh, the, the doldrums of life, one foot after another, name after name, event after event, does God really show up? We have this beautiful sort of crack in the canopy where you think too much to yourself, There is a God that is out there that is bigger than everything that we go through on a daily basis. Sometimes we've lost the ability to actually see him working all around us because we're so used to the patterns of our lives and the things that we actually uh, just see as day after day, moment after moment. But if you've ever caught yourself just looking at some point in the middle middle of the... uh, The night you you walk outside and you look up in the sky and you can see the stars perhaps, or maybe you visited a beautiful place. I was just in Colorado and and got to see the Flat River, which is this beautiful river that was right by our seminary. There's moments that we have little cracks in our routine where we are awake to the, the idea that God is participating not only in ways that we think he can, but outside of our, oh, oh, our wildest imaginations. David has a moment here in 1 Chronicles 16 where he's reflecting on this God who still rules the universe, who still breaks into our routines, and, st- and who still acts through us broken vessels. I have an f- affinity for this verse in particular because when I was 14 years old, um, I went to a, a summer camp, and it was, it was called uh, Forest Home. Anybody ever heard of Forest Home? We're in California. And so my family used to go to Forest Home pretty much every, every summer. And um, one summer in particular stood out to me when I was 14 for a few reasons. Um, one was, and this is a confession with my wife here, but there was a girl who I thought was cute when I was 14. I don't remember her name at all. And I, don't, I don't remember what she looked like. I don't remember what she looked like. I don't remember what her name was. I don't remember anything about her. But I do remember when I was 14, there was a girl at, at, at camp that I thought was cute. Um, she's not even a tenth or a hundredth of the woman that my wife is. <laughs> um, although I don't remember. <laughs> although I don't remember. That was one thing. A second thing was this. I remember that there was a, a couple of songs that got sung over and over and over again. And I couldn't tell you what the name of the composer was. I couldn't tell you what the name of the worship leader was that sang them. I couldn't tell you what the names of the songs were. But I do remember. Ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord, glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. Glory to his name, worship, worship the, Lord. the Lord, worship the Lord, worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Thank you, Ira, for the help. I appreciate that. You know that song? Well, my, the, the part we in, in beauty of the holiness. yeah. 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 And not- so I'm 43. 29 years ago, 29 years ago, I remember the melody of the words from this scripture as though it were yesterday. And when I sing it, it feels like I'm there. I can't remember who was singing it, what the name of the composer was, or even what the girl that I thought was cute looked like. But I can remember this song and its melody almost perfectly. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means that there's a living example of how God's word will never pass away, right? We're told in scripture that his word will never pass away, though this world shall, that his word will never pass away. <coughs> Two, that there's something that God did with this text in song that was timeless for me. Even though it's, it was stuck in a moment in time, it was timeless for me. And, it, and I, I, will, I will never forget that moment. When David writes this song in the middle of the book of First Chronicles, there's something that is happening similar to that there. The people of Israel have a, a, almost a, a musical altar to the Lord that they will be able to look back on from generation to generation and generation and, and talk about how great God was in the history of their people. And it's accounted for in this, in this chapter of 1 Chronicles 16. God is doing that with us all the time if we're willing to look and see how he's, how he's doing it. He's giving us moments in time that have timeless qualities because his spirit works outside of time and inside time. Now, we, now we're all going sci-fi on <laughs> we're going We're going time travel on this. But there's something that's that's here in this story that points to the timelessness of God, even though God acts in time. And when we get to the king, the priest, Jesus, who comes and is God eternal, stepped into this world, we have the same thing happen. That that, that he is timeless, stepping into time to intervene for the people on on their behalf. I'm so thankful that he's done that for us. There's lots of other great stuff um, in in the book of 1 Chronicles. But I'd love for us to actually spend the rest of our time tonight discussing how Christ is our king and our priest. That he intercedes at certain moments and times in our life uh, to be able to remind us of his faithfulness and the covenant love that he has for us as people. And so I'd ask uh, at this time if you would discuss around your tables um, the four questions that we have and have been covering the four questions that we've been covering the last several weeks. Uh, Hopefully many or all of you have have read the text. And if not, you can still point to certain places that stood out to you. But the four questions are what stood out to you this week? Was there anything confusing or troubling? Did anything make you think differently about God? And how might this change the way we live? My hope is that as we discuss this, that we might see the beauty of God working his purposes in and through us. And maybe remembering in some small way tonight how he's been faithful to us, his people. Let me pray for our wrapping up of this, uh, this devotion and then for your conversation as well. God, thank you so much that you have given us this scripture to recount and recall your faithfulness to your people. I pray that each one here, Lord, would be able to uh, interact with you and your word and, and each other in such a way that will remind us of your faithfulness and the ways that you are working in our lives, that you, that you, God, are faithful to your covenant love to us and that throughout the generations that you have given us a way of salvation culminating and specifically achieved in the person of Jesus Christ, who is our King and our great High Priest. I pray you, that we would glorify you tonight in our discussion and that you would bless your people that are here, Lord, and participating in this way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.